Welcome to SIDCast, a podcasting resource dedicated to telling stories and sharing the experiences of the sports information and athletic communications profession. My name is David Gibson. If you could, before you get any further into today's episode, go to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get this podcast, leave us a rating and a review. It only takes a few minutes and it allows for the show to grow uh, as we expand upon our listenership, our fan base and as well as telling the SID story. So, uh, also, be sure to go ahead and go over to Twitter and Facebook. Give us a follow at SportsInfoCast on both of those platforms as well. And without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Guys, welcome back to another round. Uh, as we, I know we are all done with home events. I saw a lot of other people tweeting about them being done with home events. Um, we do have the track and field uh, nationals coming up here soon for Division Two. Uh, that's the last thing. I'm the last SID in the office with athletes still alive in this postseason. We have a uh, 10K girl who will be going on Thursday night in the finals, and then. Um, a 3,000 meter steeplechase guy uh, who will be running in the prelims on Thursday down in Kingsville, Texas. Uh, no, no offense to Kingsville. I am sure it is damn hot down there because uh, if anybody know, knows this show for a while, we've had Kelvin Quelly's on for uh, a few times now, and he was down at uh, Kingsville uh, right at the bottom tip of Texas. So I'm excited to see how these go. I'm excited to see uh, how the times are. Um, a big track and field guy. That's the one thing I'm going to miss about being in Division Two is uh, the accelerated calendars because they're they're great. Because Division One, uh, I know you're still going, especially baseball, and you're going to be going for a while now. Um, feel for you, but I'm about to join you uh, here pretty soon. Um, a couple quick things before I wanted to get into today's episode. Uh, three things actually. The first thing being, if you're not a part of our newsletter, I would do that. Sidcast.fireside.fm/newsletter. Excuse me. Currently, uh, looking into different ways to do said newsletter. If you subscribe to uh, the other Matt Brown's um, extra points newsletter, uh, he uses a service, and then that service I think is able to incorporate your podcast and stuff. Uh, and that's what I've been able to research a little bit. And I think they want to like completely shift over the RSS feed. I'd have to ask a few more questions about it. Uh, I got pretty busy here uh, as of late, but um. Hopefully we'll be, I think if I put all of you guys, all of you 70 something, 80 something of you in a, uh, in a CSV file and I'm able to switch it over, you'll be automatically joined. Um, new people would probably have to sign up through that service, but I'll let you guys know what happens when the time comes. Um, nothing big as of right now. Uh, but just be sure to look out for that in the future. Second thing on the docket, uh, this is from Jeremy Rosenthal. And if you guys know his name, it is because he is big advocate and a big, big wig as far as the Cosida, Nakda, Nakda, uh, 5K is concerned down in um, Orlando this year. We are a little less than a month away. We will have a Cosida preview podcast for you. Um, working on that, getting people situated for that. Um, so if you have not already, sign up for that 5K. I, I, I mean. If you're on the fence about it, the are you sitting there and, and are you asking yourself, 
I sh- or not really asking, but saying to yourself, I should really do blank. If you're one of those people that's on the fence about doing anything, whether it be uh, cultivating a relationship with somebody, um, getting a new hobby, taking a vacation, um, doing something for yourself, as we'll learn about in today's episode, or um, getting into shape even, one of the best ways to uh, really motivate yourself if you read any sort of beginner or um, any running magazine or any running website online is to actually sign up for a 5K or sign up for a race in general. It doesn't really matter. Um, It gives you the kind of financial incentive to say, hey, I don't want to waste X number of dollars if I don't do this, because that's what it would be. Um, You might want to think about signing up. It could be the first step, and you never know. You might enjoy it. And uh, I know for a lot of people, especially myself, I kind of took a break from running. I'm starting to get back into it a little bit more. Found a really big hill uh, about a mile and a half away from me. I drive to it. I run up and down it a few times. I'm gassed at the end, but it doesn't really matter because getting right back into shape. My hips are screaming at me, but uh, that's what you got to do what you got to do. So, yeah, just be sure to stay on the lookout for that. We'll be promoting that here uh, for the next couple of weeks, and then we'll even be talking about it a lot um, as we get into our Cosida preview pod. So, um, yeah, be sure to do that. Other thing, third thing before we get into today's description of the episode, um, Luca, Luke Stanzik is today's guest. Uh, we talk a lot about mental health in this podcast right here. Um, especially with today's episode, and you guys know my stance on this sort of thing, uh, being able to take time for yourself, being able to prioritize yourself is something that we definitely talk about today. Um, Luke will share his journey with you uh, about going through his mental health struggle that he had uh, back in the fall, how he's been able to turn around. And he does want to make one mention about his wife, Emily, uh, that she is probably the biggest reason that he seeked help and probably got him through it more than anyone. And uh, we just wanted to make sure that she got the credit that she deserved as being an amazing wife. So there you go, Emily. Um, Luke loves you, obviously. So, and he's really appreciative of you. Um, today's episode, as we mentioned, Luke Stanzig uh, grew up in the kind of the Chicago area. Um, went to Benedictine in um, Lyle, I think that is how you say it don't kill me if that's not how you say it uh and was able to get into sports information um obviously because he's a sports information director but uh kind of was really really happy with his undergraduate experience it it really he felt like really prepared him for his new role and his new job as being one of the probably the first SID since the 90s at Illinois Tech uh we'll talk about what it was like for him building an office and making policy for himself at such a young age in a place that didn't really have any as far as sports information was concerned. Um, We'll talk about, like I said, mental health. We'll talk about finding a job in a specific area that you enjoy. Uh, Luke and I talk about how podcasting can benefit you. That's later on in the episode. Uh, So let's get into it. I've been chatting on for six and a half minutes, but let's get into today's episode of SIDcast. Number 121, guys, almost... 125. Oh my goodness. I think that might be around the time that we hit the preview pod. Don't you think? That'd be fitting. Uh, But we will get into episode 121 today with Luke Stanzik of the Illinois Tech, I believe, 
Scarlet Hawks. I definitely uh, was about to say Crimson Hawks there. It is 100% Scarlet Hawks. So we'll talk to Luke of the Scarlet Hawks at Illinois Tech and his verse, very first taste of sports information right here on SID Cast. Um, so how I kind of got started in sports information was I was at Benedictine University in Lyle, which mm-hmm. is right up you know, about a half hour from where I work now at Illinois Tech. I'm another Division three school. They're actually in our conference, so I'm really familiar with with this with the NAC League as a whole. Um, and I, when I got to college, I didn't know sports information was even a thing, and um, I wanted to go into journalism or radio, you know, I wanted to be on AM 1000 or 670, the score in Chicago one day or write for the Chicago Tribune or something like that. Um, and so I got really involved in the newspaper and um, doing some, we didn't have a radio station on our campus. So doing some online radio shows off campus for internships and things like that. Um, oh. And our athletic director at the time at Benedictine, Mark McCorney, um, had noticed what I was doing with the newspaper and all those things and thought it would be great to have him aboard to help us out with SID stuff because he seems like he really knows how to do all that. And he found me at the end of my sophomore year, came up to me, offered me a position with athletics um, and everything sports information entails, as we know, it's writing, it's audio stuff like we're doing right now, it's video, it's stats. And it was, I couldn't pass it up. It was just way too interesting to me. Um, so I was, I was all set to run the student paper and all that in my junior and senior year. I put that on the shelf, went and did SID work and really haven't looked back since. Um, and it was, Benedictine taught me a whole lot and helped me get to where I am now. Um, I had two great people to learn from there, Jessica Jelinek and Tim Calderwood. Shout out to those two who are still there. Um, And, uh, you know, they really got me ready for this opportunity at Illinois Tech. So, um, you know, I I just remember those Benedictine days, having a blast doing everything. I did a lot of play-by-play commentary there, too, for for our teams and worked a lot with Mark Vasco, who was our athletics broadcaster there and who who has done games for hundreds of, uh, hundreds of games for independent league teams and whatnot. Um, so I learned a lot from him too. Um, so yeah, it was, I, my first memories of being SID are, are awesome. I, that Benedict got me ready, um, to be where I am now. You say it got you ready. I mean, you were, like you said, you were eager to get into it. I mean, it was something that you couldn't quite pass up. Um, what were some things that they had you do during those first couple of years with uh, Benedictine? Um, Sport-wise, I was pretty limited. Um, I was the SID for cross-country and track. Back then, we had women's tennis there. Um, I also, my last couple of years, I was in charge of softball as well. Um so aside from the traditional SI duties for those SID duties for those teams, like you know roster exchanges and updating the web pages and whatnot, um, I also spearheaded our athletics broadcasts. So I scheduled out workers for the most part, and um, you know made sure we had a, the right equipment on on the right sites because when we're running three or four broadcasts in a day. Um, some sports are going to get the newer equipment. Some will get the older equipment and some will get audio only. And so I was in charge of pretty much 
running that balancing act of trying to make all the teams happy and also put a good product out there. Um, and I, I also did a lot of broadcasting on yeah. its own. I did a, uh, I did play by player color for pretty much all of our athletic events for three years. Uh, I actually ran a podcast for two years at Benedictine about the athletic department and also about professional sports as well. We kind of mixed both worlds together. It was myself and two of my friends who were students at the time as well did it under the Benedictine athletics umbrella, which was really, really nice. Um, and you know, the typical day-to-day SID grind, a lot of press releases, all the little tedious press releases that maybe uh, Jessica and Tim weren't really interested in doing. They would kind of put on my plate, um, you know, all the little newsy stuff, like Player of the Week awards and whatnot. Uh, so it was a little bit of everything. You know, I got to experience a mix of all those things. And um, that's why I said when I felt ready for this opportunity, they gave me a taste of everything I needed to get a taste for, um, which was invaluable. Let's go back. I know you already touched on this here a, a little bit now, but um, I want to go back to kind of your sport background. What was it like growing up, especially in that Chicago area? Uh, I grew up, um, baseball was always my mm-hmm. thing. Uh, I played high school baseball. I played a year of baseball at Benedictine before I got into the SID world. Uh, I still play baseball a bunch now, actually. I play in two men's leagues in the area. Um, so the summer's a great time for me cause I get to go play ball. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and that, that's my big passion. You know, baseball's always been my big sport. Um, but I'm a big, you know, big NBA fan, big NFL fan. Um, White Sox, Bears and Bulls are my teams always will be die hard. Um, I know you can't see my office, but I got, my office is littered with Bull Sox and Bears memorabilia. So, um, it, that's always that's what got me into sports to begin with. Um, mm-hmm. Was just just following those teams. Uh, my parents are big fans of, of those teams, so they got me into it at an early age. Um, and if I'm not covering a game for work, I'm at home watching a game. You know, watching a professional sporting event. That's what I'm doing. So um, it's just always been my big passion. So it must be nice for you. And anybody that doesn't know, um, Lucas is Luke's. Uh, campus about what you say like four blocks a little bit away from the white Sox play yep i can i can walk from here to there actually from our soccer and lacrosse field you can from where our perch is at where we brought for where we broadcast and do the stats from you can mm-hmm. see the stadium you can you can see the stadium in one direction and you look the other direction and you can see willis tower or sears tower of chicago and still we'll always call it but um you so it's one of the few vantage points in Chicago where you could see both things at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, I couldn't imagine. Um, well, especially when I was little, if you were going to tell me that I was going to be walking into Lucas Oil Stadium potentially to work a game, I, I'd be like, "You're crazy," <laughs> you know, because <laughs> that's absolutely that would be kind of an insane thought at a young age. Um, so. It must be, what is it like for you uh, going from Benedictine, like you said, Illinois Tech about half an hour away from uh, Benedictine. What was it like for you to kind of stay home a little bit, uh, so to speak, and uh, be able to work in, in, in the same place that you're, you grew up and you love? Yeah, it was, it was an unbelievable opportunity. Um, I knew at that point I wasn't really interested in moving away from Chicagoland. Um, I knew that uh, I was kind of at a crossroads where I didn't know if SID, 
if being a full-time SID was what I was going to end up doing because mm-hmm. I really wanted to stay around Chicago. I didn't really have an interest in moving away. Um, so when the Illinois Tech opportunity opened up, I I was all about it. I'm like, this is perfect. I am ready for this. It is in Chicago. This is exactly the type of thing I'm looking for. Um, so it's been awesome. It, it's been awesome to be here and to stay in the city that I really grew up in and grew up around. Um, and, you know, it was, it was a new opportunity because it was a, a new position. Only Tech had not had an SID in a long time, I believe since the 90s uh, when I got here. Um, and I think back in the 90s, too, it was kind of a student-led role. It wasn't really a, an actual role role. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong about that. But um, it was – so it was – you know, I was going to start a lot of things from scratch. Um, and I was excited for that. Um, I was excited to walk into a situation where I was going to be able to kind of design my own program the way I wanted to and um, design my own protocols and decide how I wanted to do things and take what I thought would work and what I thought wouldn't and apply those things. And it's a lot of learning on the fly that first year. Uh, a lot of a lot of things yeah. didn't go as smooth as I wanted it to. But, um, you know, I, I'm a big believer that you learn from your mistakes and – I think the first couple of years I wasn't afraid to make those, and um, it, it's it's been a great opportunity for me to be able to do all this in the city that I grew up in. Guys, just real quick before we get back to today's episode, I want to tell you about our new show sponsor, Presto Sports. Presto Sports and New Blue recently announced a strategic partnership to launch an innovative new sports streaming solution. With a shared vision to support the video demands of college and university SIDs, Presto Sports and New Blue are making it possible for one person to run a full-scale sports production. You can learn more, guys, at prostosports.com slash SIDcast. Now, let's get back to today's conversation. Let's talk about the time a little bit for you. And you just kind of touched on it there is that you were kind of at a crossroads a little bit uh, being from not working at Sports Info, maybe doing something else because you didn't want to move away. I got two two questions for this, really. The first one being, um, what was it like kind of mentally for yourself? I know there's going to be a lot of people going through this job changing process over these next couple of months. Um, so what did you think about doing? I mean, how did you kind of what did you tell yourself when you thought maybe I don't want to do this field that um, I love doing? It was really, I knew that SID jobs were limited and um, I knew I needed to find full-time work. <laughs> and, um, yeah. you know, if I, if I couldn't find one around Chicago land, um, I didn't really want to do it. Cause I wanted to stay. That was my number one thing is I just wanted to stay around here. I have all my families here. I had a really good group of friends that were all staying around Chicago and I just, I didn't want to leave that. So um, if I wasn't going to have any luck with SID opportunities opening up in Chicago, um, what my plan was probably going to be was to continue doing some things, probably part-time for Benedictine and go find a corporate job somewhere in communications and maybe work on getting a master's at the same time. Um, thankfully this opened up in July of 2015 and I just went right for it. Uh, but I remember being a little unsure about what my next step was going to be. Cause I was, I kind of all those ideas, but didn't really know which one was the best. Um, and I, I know that's something that SIDs 
struggle with not when they're first trying to get into the field, but when they're in the field and may think of leaving because it's, you know, it's a real grind of an industry and it's almost like, what are we going to do next? If we're not doing this, mm-hmm. what are we going to do? Um, so I can, I can definitely relate to that because it's, it's something that, um, you know, it, it's a grind. It's definitely a really big grind to be in this field. So you wanted to, you picked a certain specific area that you wanted to really stay home to and uh, potentially find a, a field in hope, hopefully, I mean, we know now how that worked out, but hopefully at the time you were thinking, hopefully in sports formation. So um, what would you say to some people now who kind of want to pick a specific area? I, I know that a lot in the sport industry, sometimes you have to kind of go on a whim and go to Let's cruise New Mexico, you know? So what would you say to those who kind of want to pick a specific area, stay close to home, kind of going through that job search process? Um, don't be afraid to reach out to schools and ask, ask to help. Um, don't be afraid to put your foot in the door. Um, I have had a lot of people in the last couple of years reach out to me and just say, hey, I want to volunteer. I want to help. Um, and I, as an SID in a Division three school where we need all the help we can get, I will never turn down someone who just wants to help <laughs> and just, just wants to be here and learn how we do things. And um, I had a, I had someone this past year reach out to me who had said he just moved into the area and wanted to help us on our broadcasting. And I said, sure. And, you know, he, he had done a little bit of it when he was in college. And I was like, absolutely. Like, if you want to come and help us out, help us out. And um, now I know him. I keep in contact with him a lot. And, you know, you just – that's how you network. That's how you get to know people. And the more people you know in and around the area, especially in an area like Chicago where there's tw- there's like 20-plus smaller schools that have mm-hmm. SIDs and have a network, and we all help each other out. And, um, it That's really beneficial. So really don't be afraid to email or call your the SIDs at the, at the school that's nearby you and say you're willing to help out and you're willing to learn. Um, you may have to do it for free for a little bit, but um, you're going to get that experience and you're going to get to know people in the industry. And as you know, this is an industry where as a whole, we're, we're very friendly. We're very supportive of each other and we look out mm-hmm. for each other. That's probably my favorite part about being an SID is knowing how all my colleagues at our other schools are like and knowing that we all have each other's backs. And, um, so once you kind of get to know those people, if you show that you work hard and have an aptitude for it, they're going to have your back too. So, uh, th- that's number one thing I would give advice for would be to just, don't be afraid to, to reach out and ask because the most, I mean, the worst someone could tell you is no. And then you're back to square one. I'm reading a book right now. Um, that's a little bit about, uh, creative business and selling a little bit, um, and I just read a chapter last night where he said the second best answer you can hear is no, <laughs> you know, and you'd rather have that no earlier on in the process than you would kind of later, um, which I guess is true in, in, in finding a job as anybody who's hasn't gotten an email back will tell you. <laughs> um, so you said you were the first SID in a long time. Um, so what was it like kind of starting from square one there and basically building your own department at a young age? Um, it was, it was challenging, but it was also very rewarding and a lot of fun. I I step back and look at where we're at now and where we were in the fall of 2015 when I got here and kind of see the progress we've made. And it, it's a really rewarding feeling. It's a really fulfilling feeling. 
Um, you know, when I first started here, we weren't really live streaming all of our events. Uh, we didn't have any social media platforms. I think we might've had an Instagram that had maybe eight or nine posts over a year's time. And that was it. Um, you know, we weren't live standing things. Um, and I remember being at Benedictine and telling people that I was going to go for this position. And, um, they knew that it was a situation that was completely brand new. And, People were like, do you, are you sure this is what you really want? And I was like, yeah, you know, wow. this is this is a great opportunity because I I also had no expectations to go off of. Like it would to me, right. it was it was win win. Like I, I was creating my own expectations. I was creating my own standards. I didn't have the past standards to live up, live up to somebody else. Um, so I got to lay things out the way I wanted them. I got to make my protocols for social media the, the way I wanted them and choose what I wanted to focus on, which platform and what I wanted to post where, um, you know, I got our live streaming up and running. I got our live stats up and running. Um, I started the process of redesigning our website, which finally came to fruition this past school year, um, which looks outstanding. Now the first three years I was here, it was an eyesore and it drove me nuts, <laughs> but um, <laughs> it, so it, it, it took a while. Um, and when I say I made mistakes, I definitely did in terms of learning how to communicate with all of our coaches and, and knowing that, um, you know, we, as we all know, in this industry, you have to work with all of your coaches and some of them you work with differently than others. So, um, you know, learning how to communicate with everybody the right way and um, getting on the same page with everybody. Um, but it was, um, you know, it, it was challenging being a year out of school and having to basically roll my sleeves up and start running my own shop, but um, made for a lot of long days that first year trying to get everything going. But it, um, where I see where we're at now, um, it makes me feel really, really happy that um, we've come this far. I know that there are a lot of SIDs out there who might be a little apprehensive to, to have that open communication door. And like you said, you made a few mistakes in that first year of not communicating with coaches. Um, what would you say to those who are maybe, have a difficult time with doing that um, to open up those conversations and make it easier for them. Um, and I know it can be, it can be, it can be a scary thing, right? Because mm -hmm. we're um, most SIDs grew up big sports fans and kind of grew up for an appreciation of coaches and what they do and who they are. And um, you don't want to necessarily have a conversation with those people and tell them no, or tell them, or disagree with them. Mm -hmm. So um, my big stances on this have been, remember that you work with all your coaches and not for them. And also um, to kind of appro approach every conversation you have with confidence and um, confidence in yourself, confidence in your ability to speak. And you're going to have disagreements with coaches. So just whenever something comes about, just have a time sit in their office and then just talk, you know, just talk it through. Um, and that's, it's inevitable in our field. We're going to do some things and we're going to um, approach things a little differently than our coaches might want us to, or they may want some more attention than what we're giving them, even though we feel we're giving them fairly, giving their attention fairly. 
Um, so I would just say to, you know, approach every situation with confidence, um, have confidence in your ability to do your job and who you are and be firm. Um, you know, it, it's really easy to get pushed around sometimes in this industry, um, with what we do and being support staff members. And, um, but we do a really important job and, um, the, the more you carry yourself with confidence and, um, the more you carry yourself with maturity as well, um, people are going to respect you. Um, and if, if they're not going to respect you, then the problem is on them. It's not on you. And they're going to have to figure that out themselves. Yeah, I, I think it might be a culmination uh, of some things. And maybe people that haven't been told, that don't like being told no in the past. Or I think it also has to be on, on the coach too. And that only that respect and that mutual conversations and stuff like that only comes through you being visible and you being there and you um, being honest with them too. Uh, and like, kind of like you said, I, I wouldn't really dance around anything um, that you're not comfortable with doing. That would just, and like I kind of said earlier, you'd rather have a no sooner than later. Right. So, absolutely. So um, whatever it is, whatever it may be, whatever disagreement you may have, just talk to them. <laughs> You know, don't run from them. And even I know some coaches are the same way and everything, but uh, we could all be better, I think, in in, in my personal opinion. Um, let's talk about something that maybe is, is a little bit difficult for most people and some people. Um, let's talk about the mental health stuff. Like, like you mentioned earlier, there's a grind. And by the time we get to around this time of year, people are already either already burnt out or they are ready for a three month long vacation, maybe even a year long vacation if they really wanted to. So, um, a difficult time, right? And I want this to be more of a discussion than I want it to be more of a Q and a, because I'm also really big into this stuff too. Um, so why don't you kind of go through, if you're comfortable, go through your background a little bit with this, uh, especially with being uh, just a couple years into this profession. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I will definitely share my experiences. Um, so I have a very unique perspective on this issue as um, I, for um, a month this fall, um, took FMLA and was diagnosed with anxiety and depression. And, um, you know, it was something that kind of hit me out of nowhere. Um, I know now um, why it happened and I knew I know the reasons for it. Um, and... Uh, I just knew at one point in, in October, I, I wasn't in a good place and I knew something was wrong mentally and I needed to, needed some help. Um, so I went to a, um, an outpatient clinic for three weeks, um, and did, um, all kinds, all types of training and got a bunch of resources on how to, how to deal with anxiety and deal with having depression. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm a very, I'm a religious person as well. So there's a big faith component to it. And, um, I walked out of there feeling completely different and feeling like a completely different person and felt like I could handle all of life's issues, all of work's issues, all of, so, you know, all social issues, everything that was kind of playing into what I went through. Um, and I felt like I had a, a firm grip on it now and I'm finished the year out great. I'm doing a lot better. Um, you mm -hmm. know, every day is a struggle. Every day has its own challenges. And, uh, I draw back on those skills that I learn at the clinic a lot. Um, and I, but I think the number one thing that I learned is 
we have to take time to to worry about ourselves and to care about ourselves. And um, especially in this industry where our jobs are so centered around helping other people and promoting other people mm-hmm. and catering to the needs of other people, we forget about the most important person. And that's us. You know, we, we forget to take care of ourselves. If we can't take care of ourselves, how are we going to take care of other people? And um, so I learned, especially over those three weeks time where I wasn't here, um, you know, the world continued to turn. And when I came back, Illinois yeah. Tech Athletics still existed. It's like, wow, <laughs> it, it can actually exist yeah. without me there. Um, so, um, and I know as SIDs, a lot of times we think like, oh, we need to make sure we do this, 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 and this, or it's the end of the world. And it's not the end of the world. And um, so I really learned how to take a step back and take care of myself sometimes. And if, um, if one of my recaps doesn't get posted until 9 p.m. instead of 6 right after the game ends, then so be it. I needed three hours to breathe, you know, like, so just yeah. um, <laughs> being able to, to learn how to take a step back and assess things and assess myself mentally was big. And it took a long time to learn that. And it wasn't, I don't want to mis- mislead people. It wasn't just the work grind that played into me getting to that point. There was a mm-hmm. lot of things that played into it, uh, but I definitely think it was part of it. Um, and it's, it's a topic that I think if you were to poll SIDs, I think a lot of them would tell you they struggle, but I think a lot of them wouldn't want to tell you openly that they struggle because that's just society. That's not an SID thing. That's a societal thing. People mm-hmm. don't want to talk about it. Um, so I am kind of take, I want to take this head on and not be afraid to talk about that side of it because I've been through it and I know what it's like and I still deal with it. And I know that it, it, it can be a difficult thing to talk about. So I want to be somebody who can talk about it and can encourage people to talk about it and not be afraid to just go talk to someone and get some help if you're having trouble. And, and that was the biggest thing for me. I like what you mentioned about the societal thing. Um, I'm really big into men's health, uh, especially because I'm a man, obviously. <laughs> um, so <clears throat> I've read in uh, Western cultures, we don't like to talk about it. Eastern cultures, you're expected to talk about it. You know, so um, I don't know where this came from. And, and this whole mindset of you're tougher than than your emotions and, and your feelings and you're not um, being able to step back and see the bigger picture is an acquired skill. Uh, something that I've been able to do and sounds like you've been able to do too, to know that this world's going to keep on moving and the sun's going to come up the next day, uh, no matter what happens basically. Right. So, um, being more open and not being afraid to ask for help is, is another big thing that, that I would say there are different little coping skills that you can do, uh, plenty of research on this. I mean, what's the first, I think reading financial stuff, I'm a big reader, by the way, if you haven't already been able to tell, um, Financial stuff, you pay yourself first, right? So why isn't it the same way with your free time and, and, and your just life in general uh, to where you should come first? And I read in Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the money first needs to go in like, what is it, like investments and stuff before you actually pay your rent and your car payments and everything like that. Um, why is it 
that it's the other way. It feels like people are are just putting all their effort, all their mental energy into stuff that like this, like the checkpoints and, and taking care of other people before they're able to take care of themselves. It should be the other way around. Um, different things, especially for me. And I'll say this, and I, I should really be the same way about how open, you know, my stuff was. Went to college for a year uh, at a small NAI school in Northern Indiana. Um, my first semester was okay. All right. I think I had like above a 3.0 for the first time in my life. A couple of things happened. And now that second, that spring semester, I quit the team that I was on because I was a cross country guy twice. Uh, I passed one class with a C that final semester before I left. And then I took a year off and it was absolutely rough. And I was asking myself all these different questions and I was just staring at the ceiling. And even, even when I got to USI, I was still struggling with it a little bit um, before I kind of made the realization. And, and I know every mental health is different. Every illness is different, but for me, it was definitely uh, why is this? Why is this? Why is this? And, and then I just remember staring at the ceiling and I thought to myself, when will this end? You know, everything like all oh, this is your fault. And then I and then I realized, wait a minute, all oh, this is my fault. I can do something about this. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and it was that moment snap realization for me, at least, that I can change this. And, and I know that a lot. I know everything is different. But for me and maybe a few other people out there, uh, there is something you can do about this. And you're not alone in this fight, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the the big one of the biggest things I've learned on this mental health journey that I've had is how many people it's affected that I didn't even know it affected them. Um, I've had people come up to me since I've been open about it and tell me, hey, you know, I go through this too. My wife goes through this too. Um, and, you know, here I was. I thought I was the only one. <laughs> and... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's a thing that I think a lot of people are just, they go through it and they're afraid, even after they've gone through it, they're still a little afraid to talk about it. And, mm-hmm. um, my question is why at this point? Cause like you said, it, um, you know, financially we take care of ourselves first, but when it comes to all the other stuff in life, we don't want to take care of ourselves first. And, um, Something something that I've learned, as I mentioned before, is if we can't take care of ourselves, we want to take care of other people. But if we can't take care of ourselves, we're not going to be able to take care of other people because we're a mess and everybody's a mess. Everyone in this world's a mess in some way. Like I, I'm firm believer in that. Yeah. <laughs> and um, but so we got to be able to take care of ourselves first before we can help others. And we're in a profession and we're in an industry and we're wired to help others. We, we get joy out of helping other people in the, in this field. You know, that's whenever we are able to cover our student athletes and put them in the best light possible or cover our teams, put them in the best light possible. We feel good about ourselves because we've done our job, but we're not going to be able to do that if we don't take care of ourselves first. What are some things maybe do you think even in, in our workspace now, uh, let's just keep it confined to an SID workspace here with this question. What are some things that they can do maybe in the middle of the day when they're feeling a little, you know, feet are a little heavy, uh, I, I would say. I mean, what are some things that they can do to kind of break through that um, just in a day-to-day sense, do you think? 
um, my, I think think about what makes you happy as a person and go do it for a little bit. Um, I, I know for me, a big, a big trigger for my mental health is that when I'm not exercising consistently and not working out, I get really Mm -hmm. anxious. If I go a day and a half or two days without doing something, I get really anxious and I get really prone to, you know, getting in that anxious state. Yeah. I am the exact same way. (laughs) So we all, we work on campuses. There's a, there's probably a gym where you work. So, you know, your lunch break, go ride the bike for a half hour or do whatever it is that makes you happy. It might not be working out. It might be something else. Um, I have a coworker here who um, every day she goes and walks for five minutes in our gym, uh, just walks around our gym floor three times, says hi to the student shooting around. Um, she does that five minutes every half hour. And she's the most productive person I know here. I mean, she's no to the grindstorm all the time, but she takes those five minutes every half hour, gets up, walks around. Um, and I know it helps her get through the day. Um, you know, I, I also like to, like I said, I'm a big baseball guy. So I like to go and swing the bat. So I'll go and hit off a tee in our cage here for a little bit or go throw the ball for a little bit or something. So whatever it is that really makes you, makes you happy. Cause everybody has something, right? Like everybody has mm-hmm. that one kind of hobby or thing that they enjoy. Um, and so middle of the day, lunchtime, take 10, 15 minutes to do those things. Um, cause it's, it's good. Um, you know, I kind of think of it as like a gas tank meter and, you know, when you're feeling really good, you're on full. And then when you really start to get anxious and get a little, um, just uneasy, it starts to creep back down to empty. So find that one thing that helps you boost your tank back up to full. And that'll get, I like how you mentioned the exercising as well as the hobby stuff. Cause that's, what's really helped me personally. Um, I've gained 15 pounds in the last year. Uh, I was a real skinny guy. I was a 10 K specialist. So, I mean, it was like 15 pounds is like, what the hell? But, um, uh, and I've found a new hobby for myself. I work on that basically every day. Um, gives me those, some tangible skills. I didn't really know. I work with a lot of chemicals and plastics and everything, paints and everything like that. Um, I, I like also how you mentioned the, uh, find the one thing you're happy about or find the one thing that, makes you happy basically. And I think that that takes some like introspection a little bit. Uh, you guys know what you're good at. You guys know what you're like. You, you, there's got, there are some things about you that you, that you like, right? I don't think, I mean, I don't think there's one thing that somebody can say like, no, I hate everything about you. You're a good SID. And you just, you should probably hear that right now is that you're a pretty damn good SID. So that's one thing. Um, what you can do is maybe keep those in mind or keep that in the list for some sort of calibration purpose. Uh, just kind of remind yourself that, that you're worth it and that, um, people you're worth it to other people and keeping that list in front of you just as a visual thing, you might want to write some of these stuff. Some of the stuff down, um, might be easy for, for a lot of other people too. Uh, because then, what is it? What is the saying? I can't even remember. Write it down or else it's not true or something like that. I can't even remember what it is. Um, maybe that might help someone in the long run too, right? Yeah, absolutely. I know um, you mentioned that you're worth it. Uh, I know something a lot of people struggle with, with this particular issue is self-worth and feeling like they're not worth it. Mm-hmm. 
um, feeling like they're not appreciated, they're not respected. Um, but um, what I've another thing I've learned is just because people might not consistently tell you it outwardly doesn't mean that it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you know, we all know um, we all know that what we do is important. And what we do impacts people, it affects people, and especially our student athletes appreciate it. Um, and I actually, I have kind of a really cool story about this. Um, you know, we had uh, probably the coolest moment since I, this was about a, two or three months after I came back um, when I took the leave of absence and, you know, came back to work. Uh, we had a conference tournament basketball game here. Uh, we're we're brand new division three members. So first conference tournament basketball game in school history in our gym. Um, you know, we come back from like 13 points down win, really a big deal. We had a senior who's been here for four years. Um, one of those kids that always like, we'll come in, my door's open. We'll come in and talk to me for 10 minutes. Um, you know, just good kid. And, um, he comes up to me after the game and, you know, they're in the handshake right after the handshake line. First thing he does is come up to me, give me, you know, one of those bro hugs and is like, I didn't want this to be the last game you saw me play. And I, I almost started crying. Like I, I just, I mm-hmm. thought that was the coolest moment ever as someone who had gone through a period of time where I didn't feel like I was worth it. And to have someone seek me out after like his biggest game of his career seek me out first and tell me something like that, let me know that I'm worth it. And I would be willing to bet that every SID out there has athletes that, that feel that way about their SIDs because they see what we do, then they appreciate it. Um, so I, I think just stories like that, remember those because I know other SIDs have them. So remember them in those times where you don't feel like what you're doing is really worth it or is really appreciated. You mentioned the gym, but what, maybe what are some other resources on campus or maybe in the internet realm in general that, or in, in person too, I guess that's probably shouldn't dwell on the internet there, but um, what are some other resources that somebody might be able to help themselves with? Um, yeah, that, that's an interesting question. I just think whatever, um, whatever it is that makes you happy and, um, you know, apart from the, the hobby and happiness stuff, mm. I just, I think if you're going through a difficult time, it is important to make sure you're talking about it and, uh, don't be afraid to, um, find someone to just talk openly with and just talk through emotions and feelings and things like that with, whether it's someone you're close to, like a friend or, someone like a therapist or somebody on campus. Cause I know most campuses have mental health centers now. Um, yep. just whatever it may be, uh, the resources are there. Um, and it is, I definitely think it is important to talk through those things, but at your own pace and at a pace that you're comfortable with. I, I know I go to the, uh, or I went to, I guess I'm moving jobs now, so I can't go back there anymore, but I went to the, uh, mental health center on campus at USI. And that was one thing that I was able to do um, to help me out a little bit. It wasn't that, I mean, I guess I don't have to justify anything with it. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, the other things that I, I have really helped me uh, and have really helped a lot of other guys 
Um, like I said, I'm big into the men's health thing. Uh, order a man uh, is one of the main reasons why I started this podcast. And if you listen to an order a man podcast episode, um, you'll see that our format is eerily similar. So um, that, and then it, it's, it's about 40,000 men who all want the same thing in life. And that's to feel that like we're worth it and that we are in control. Um, and we are, and uh, it, it goes a lot with the calibration stuff about the physical, the mental, the relationships that you have. Um, it, it's, it's been, it's worked wonders for me. If you listen just to one podcast, don't listen to, to the ask me anything's because they, those are really long. And uh, I don't, I mean, it might be your cup of tea, but it's not my cup of tea. Um, but the uh, interview episodes and the um, Freddie field notes are, are, are great. Um, has really changed my mentality around here a little bit. So uh, let's move on a little bit here as we're bumping up against time. Um, Luke, first question I have for you, sir. Favorite memory in your professional tenure? Um, that's a good one. Uh, you know, I, I think the story I just told is one of them. Uh, but another another real favorite memory I have is we are, like we mentioned earlier, we're located four blocks away from Guaranteed Rate Field. I grew up a lifelong Sox fan. I grew up going to 20-some games a year. And every year the past three years, we have played a game at Guaranteed Rate Field. Our baseball team here at Illinois Tech has played a game there, and I have gotten to do the PA announcing at that game. Uh, so that is a really cool memory. That's something that, um, you know, for however long I'm here and in this field, that'll be one of my fondest memories is getting to – sit in the ballpark that I essentially grew up in as my second home mm -hmm. and, you know, my favorite team and get, get to work a game at that stadium. And I've, I get to do it once a year. Um, it's an annual thing that we do. And um, it's just, it's really freaking cool to me. Um, I also, this past week, um, our men's tennis team made the NCAA tournament. It's us being a brand new division three school. It's the first time one of our teams won our conference and went to a Division three Division three tournament. Uh, so getting to go down to St. Louis this past week and cover that was, was pretty cool and to see how a Division three tournament is run um, and to just be a part of that with those guys and um, make that trip with those guys and um, see them compete at the highest level. It was awesome. I want to pause here for a second because I forgot about this question. You guys do a podcast, right, at Illinois Tech? Uh, we do not right now. Um Okay. That's something that I uh, really am interested in doing in the future, but we do not at the moment. So what is kind of your preparation like for a little bit? I know that we were talking off air for a second about um, if you had emailed me or not about it. And, and it turns out that we did correspond. Uh, what are some maybe brainstorm ideas here a little bit uh, that other, I know that other schools out there are really interested in doing a podcast. I mean, how do you see it working for a school like a division three school, at Illinois tech? I think it would be neat to do kind of a quick weekly rundown of things that have happened in the department and then bring on a student athlete or a coach or an administrator for an interview and an inside look as to who they are, what they do, why they're doing these things. Um, I think that I obviously want to touch on, touch on results and whatnot a little mm -hmm. bit, but I think the human interest stuff is a little more um, little more of a draw for our level rather than the 
hard results. Here's what, you know, here's how our teams are doing type of thing. I think for the bigger stories, it's obviously big, but for the most part, I think talking to our student athletes, getting to profile what they do, talking to our coaches, getting to profile what they do, especially at a school like ours, which is very academics heavy. Um, a lot of our kids graduate from here and go on to do really, really cool things as engineers, architects, you know, medical field. Um, so I love getting to hear the stories about what they're doing on campus. And I hear some pretty fascinating things. So uh, I think a podcast format to profile that would be pretty cool. Yeah, I know, um, especially at a larger scale, because uh, I know several other Division One, maybe Division Two. doesn't matter what level you are, but um, – it's they've been used for like Heisman campaigns. If you listen to a season with Sam from Sam Darnold at USC, that was another reason. I, I really like the uh, student athlete kind of being able to sit down with them and knowing their day to day. I'm really big into humanizing our athletes because uh, I feel like our fans um, bless their hearts, as the South would say, uh, but they just treat them like their numbers, <laughs> and it really bothers me. So I. I I really see uh, podcasting being as a way to kind of tell them that, hey, these are 20-year-old kids. You know, uh, I don't know. Just a thought that maybe some people would be able to have. Um, yeah, and especially at the at the Division three level, they are truly student athletes mm-hmm. where student is first. And um, it's, it's neat to hear about what they're doing off the field, especially, you know, I just think sometimes some of our some of our top athletes here and I hear what they're doing off the field and I'm just like, how do you have time for all that? <laughs> you know, like how do you have time to 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 get the great grades you're getting in these tough classes and also go out there and go four for five with two home runs in a game and prepare for that? Like it, it, it fascinates me. Mm-hmm. Uh I think it's a really fascinating thing. So I agree with you. I think to be able to put the human aspect on things for our athletes and tell those stories is really beneficial to them and to the community, whichever community you're in. We talked about your favorite memory. What about on the other side? What's your biggest horror story? Okay. I definitely, this probably was the craziest thing that had happened to me. I was, this was still at Benedictine. Um, so it wasn't only tech yet. I was in my Benedictine days. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was sitting down to stat a women's basketball game. I think it was a women's game. I was sitting outside a women's basketball game. And, you know, I'm, I've done a few, I've done the games a few times, but I'm still pretty new in the stack crew mm-hmm. at that point. And, um, literally as the ball is being thrown up for the tip, my computer freezes and shuts down. Like literally as the ball is being thrown in the air, uh-huh. like it, it could not have been a worse time. It wasn't two minutes before tip. It was as the ball's in the air, the computer freezes and shuts down. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? And I had um, Jessica, who I mentioned earlier, my my old uh, boss there, and also a student worker was sitting there with me. And on the fly, we came up with a system. Uh, Jessica's going to write it down. The student worker is going to read it to me. And once I get the computer back up and running, I am literally just going to type what that person's saying. Mm-hmm. And so we had kind of a three-way train going of how to keep these stats and how to catch back up. And... We finally caught back up at, I believe, halftime. So the whole first half of that basketball game, I statted it, and I didn't look at the court one time. I just 
I was listening to what um, someone was saying, which she was saying what someone else wrote down. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was bizarre and it was, it was a nightmare. It was stressful. And it was just, like I said, the, the absolute worst possible time that could happen as the ball is in the air on the tip, the computer shuts down and freezes. And we all have our computer horror stories, but to me, it's going to be hard to top that one. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be really hard to top. Yeah. Quite the timing I would say too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'd rather have it go down about an hour <laughs> before, yeah. but I guess you bears can't be choosers. Um, what's one thing you're interested in to learn more about in this profession? Um, I think, you know, the podcasting aspect, like we talked about, cause I haven't done much of that, um, on a work level and also, um, doing more video related content. Uh, that's something that we don't do a ton of here. Um, it is something that has kind of just gone by the wayside as I started here, you know, I had a lot of other things to catch up on. Uh, so the video content really has not been as strong as I would like it to be. So, um, learning more about that, learning the technical aspects of that and the software and whatnot, uh, are some things that I'm really interested in learning and trying to do in the future. Um, and I, I just like hearing stories, you know, I like, um, kind of the stories that we were talking about now. Um, I like hearing stories from other SIDs and you're never going to know how you're going to relate to that or what you can take from it. So that's why I love Corsair every year. Um, when I get a chance to go, you get to talk to a bunch of people who are just like you and um, hear about what they do and see how they do things. And I always pick up a couple of things from when I leave there that I try to implement here. So really just, just listen to other people. Uh, that, that's a big way to learn too, I think. What about, um, what in your mind, what traits or characteristics make a good SID? Uh, somebody who is definitely selfless, uh, not a, not afraid to, kind of put their put their pride aside to to do some things or cover some events that you may not necessarily feel like waking up doing at the time and um somebody who has really good communication skills with other people because um myself and our athletic training staff talk about this all the time we are the two roles in our department where we have to interact with everyone on an almost daily basis and so you have to have really good communication skills and you have to, as we talked about a little bit about earlier, you have to really know how to get your point across, but also do it in a way that um, you are collect, you feel like you're really collaborating with the coach and collaborating with an administrator and collaborating with marketing departments on campus and whatnot. Um, so having really strong people skills and communication skills when, when dealing with others. I think is a really big quality in this field that I feel like sometimes gets lost. Um, and I think that's something that is becoming increasingly important as the realm of coverage that we provide evolving from just a stats related role as it was, you know, 20, 30 years ago to what it is now when we're doing social media and photography and all kinds of stuff. I think being able to communicate with, the people you work with is a really, really important thing. Next time someone is up by the ballpark, what's your restaurant bar recommendation? Uh, there is a great place around here called Buffalo Wings and Rings. It's about four blocks from campus and four blocks from the stadium. It's kind of in the middle type of thing. Um, really great place, uh, great food, 
Um, I'm not really a, an alcohol guy, but I know their alcohol selection is great as well. Um, it's kind of a, um, a place where a lot of times I've, I've gone there with some of our coaches at their games and whatnot. And, um, you know, it's great. It's an awesome place. Um, it is kind of a little bit like a Buffalo Wild Wings, but, you know, it, it's not a chain. So it's kind of unique in its own way. Um, you know, it's, it's a great sports bar type place to sit down relax after a game. If you want to watch another big game that's on, great place to go. Um, definitely probably my favorite place around campus for sure. If anybody wanted to get in touch with you, maybe had some questions for you, what would be the best way to do it? Uh, just shoot me an email. Um, L-S-T-A-N-C-Z-Y at IIT.edu. Um, so it's my last name with the K cut off, so there's no K in it. It's S-T-A-N-C-Z-Y. Um so just email me there. Um, you know, I'd be happy to talk to anybody and answer any questions anyone may have. Um, especially now with it being the summer, my response time is going to be a lot quicker than it would yeah. be in the school year. Um, so this probably won't get buried in an inbox. So, um, yeah, I that that's probably the best way to get in touch with me. Perfect. Well, Luke, we very much appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me on and thanks for all the work that you do to promote this industry. And I think this podcast is awesome. Thanks for, I feel honored that you asked me to come on. Um, I'm, I'm pumped about it. No problem. Well, uh, I'm sure everybody here is really appreciative and just so everybody knows, just cause I'm leaving the field doesn't mean I'm going to stop. So you can stop asking me. All right. Thanks. <laughs> <Yeah. for> <laughs> Thank you.